Thanks for calling your local Regal. Thanks for calling Regal 1024. Hey, how are you doing today? Good. Uh, I was just really curious, what is your favorite movie of 2022? My favorite movie? Yeah, what was your favorite movie? I guess Top Gun. Top Gun? Yeah. Welcome to the movies now. Let's all talk in the lobby. Let's all talk in the lobby. Let's all talk in that lobby. With Coop and Bobby. Oh, this is Austin from the Let's All Talk in the Lobby podcast. The what? Hello, hello and welcome to the Let's All Talk in the Lobby podcast with Guth and Bobby. I'm Guth. And I'm Bobby. And today we are talking about the best movies of 2022 and... uh this call was hilarious, man. That is so funny. This dude did not want to talk. I guess I called like a regal um, business line. So it was like company, like corporate people. And they weren't like at the movie theater. We'll have to do an episode where we just kind of pick the movie. But like before the episode, we play every call that has gone bad. Because so far, we've got a good little collection. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Most of the time, people are caught pretty off guard. I mean, rightfully so for us, like. Like when we asked most overrated Christmas movie and the guy went, not all of them. Yeah. I don't like any of them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this guy was like freaking out. And then eventually he like put me on the phone with some other person that worked there. Yeah. And they were a lot nicer, but they said Puss in Boots was I, their favorite. Which I've heard 20. great things about. I haven't Still seen weird. it. Still weird. Also, it's like a movie that literally like just came out. It's like, like barely. It's barely 2022. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, anyways, yes, Top Gun Maverick is the movie that we are talking about, um, today. Bob, you want to pull up, um... Oh, yes, my, description. the description. Can you get, get like, Get some uh, music going for you? Yeah, get, uh, get me that opening credits. Yeah, yeah, sorry. This, we should have prepared this ahead of time. Also, uh, for those listening for the first time, um, this is a show where we call a movie theater somewhere around the world to get a viewing recommendation, and that's the movie we watched this week. And like we said, best 2022, this person said Top Gun. And Bobby, take it away. Feel the need, the need for speed. Wait, After more than 30... <laughs> take it, take it again. Take it again. Uh, pause this and Here rewind this go. and play this. There we go. Feel the need, the need for speed. After more than 30 years of service as one of the Navy's top aviators and dodging the advancement in rank that would ground him, Pete Maverick Mitchell finds himself training a detachment of Top Gun graduates for a specialized mission the likes of which no living pilot has ever seen. Facing an uncertain future and confronting the ghosts of his past, Maverick is drawn into a confrontation with his own deepest fears, culminating in a mission that demands the ultimate sacrifice from those who will be chosen to fly it. <laughs> is there three other paragraphs to that description? <laughs> <laughs> this is it, man. This movie, this song, this... Just the whole vibe of it, man. The whole vibe of it is just sunsets. If you don't like the way that this song sounds, you're going to hate this movie. <laughs> yeah, when I first saw this movie, I really hated it, as you know, Bobby, which is like very unusual because I know most everyone absolutely loved this movie, but this was kind of really annoyed the fuck out of me. Yeah, um, we'll yeah we'll dive into that I think pretty quick. Yeah, there's a minutia of to it too because like obviously this movie is like a really good time and is just a ton of fun. But yeah, and I think we should get out of the way that yeah this movie is undeniably a great time. Yeah, there really is no other way to say it. It is super fun and enjoyable. It just is. It just knows it knows that about itself. You know, right? It's um. I, the thing that I think that we're both kind of on is like, it's a shame that this movie had to be a Top Gun movie rather than a yeah, cool plane movie. Right. I mean, the thing that, yeah, the thing that annoys me about this movie is really just how nostalgic it is and what it says about like the industry right now 
for movies and just like our culture is so nostalgic and is so obsessed with the past and like what has come before that like I just feel like we're at a bit of a standstill for making like really cool original things which we've all been saying like forever for sure but like I don't know like I it's just kind of crazy to me that people care about Top Gun as much as they do you know yeah and it's a like people are nostalgic for Top Gun that weren't born when Top Gun was out, you know? Yeah. And it's a thing that I think has I always talk about like Star Wars and I say like I think there are yeah. three three pretty good Star Wars movies, one really great one, mm-hmm. but none of them came out in my lifetime. Right. Like I've not to see a really great Star Wars movie come out and it's just crazy how people go and like it's been four generations of kids' childhoods now. Right, right, right. Uh, but the thing is, is like it also the thing I don't like about it is I have a really good time with this movie when I watch it. It just sucks that the only way to get it made is by being a Top Gun sequel. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you could not see this movie if it was just its own like property. Yeah. And I think uh, that had a lot to do with just my first expectations like going in upon rewatching this movie. I was able to have like a way better time yes. because I was like aware that like, okay, this movie, and to its credit, like, it doubles down on being a Top Gun movie. So, like, and it's it's not necessarily fair to the movie to, like, give it all this crap for being nostalgic because it is a sequel to a movie that came out in 1980-whatever, you know? Like, it's going to be nostalgic, and it does, as a Top Gun sequel, like, it does its job pretty damn well. It's just that I was mad that there's a sequel to Top Gun coming out in 2022, you know? Right, and that... And when you watch it, it is a little, it's jar, it's jarring how much it is Top Gun. Like how much right. of it lives in the shadow of Top Gun. Yeah. And how comfortable it is doing that. Yes. And how it's constantly <laughs> winking at you about being like, you remember Top Gun? Yeah. You know? And just some things in it that like, definitely for like a dude who likes movies, like you see all these nods and you go like, Oh, that's like Tony Scott. Rest in peace, Tony Scott. Uh-huh. You see Val Kilmer, you're like, oh, poor Val Kilmer. You like, yeah. You feel full. like it's a lot of playing on things. And then like the whole thing I was saying, like when you watch it now in the lens of he's like, you're the only one who can do this, and it's like the allegory of like Tom Cruise being able to save Hollywood in the movies. Yeah, it is that kind of ties about into that, in that way, you know. And I just think yeah, there are some things that take this movie, which is a really good ride. And make the story just a little hard for me to, like, digest Mm -hmm. in a way that makes me feel satisfied. Right, right. And now, to its credit, this movie, like, Tom Cruise... Well, first, the origin of this movie, Jerry Bruckheimer is kind of a legendary um, Hollywood producer dude. He produced a bunch of, like, really kind of... Over like the top, t- Con Air, Con uh, Air Armageddon, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, Pirates of the Caribbean, like um, big blockbusters that are just like movies, like you know the disaster films, like yeah. chase movies, stuff yeah. like that, like really over the top. When national you think of the 80s, yeah, kind of, th- yeah, National Treasure is kind of a good example of that too. You think of Jerry Bruckheimer, and he, they've been trying to get Tom Cruise to do a sequel for Top Gun for like the longest time. And they get um, Jerry Bruckheimer, and he gets a director who had worked with Tom Cruise on a movie called Oblivion. Um, do you remember the name of the director of this movie? I don't. It's not directed by McQuarrie? Christopher McQuarrie? Is that is that his name? Uh, Look it up. Because he's also the guy who's doing um, all of the... No, it's Joseph Kaczynski. Joseph Kaczynski. Okay, yeah. So they get this dude. He did Tron Legacy, and he he did a movie with Tom Cruise called Oblivion. Yeah, dude. Oblivion is pretty... It's a very boring movie. But um, they go to Europe, where Tom Cruise is filming Mission Impossible 5 or whatever, and they have a meeting with him, and they lay out the plot of Top Gun Maverick, and he sold... And Tom Cruise literally at the meeting calls the head of Paramount and is like, we're doing Top Gun. And it gets greenlit like that, which is like super unusual for a movie. But when you're Tom Cruise, you have the power to just like make it happen. And thus Top Gun Maverick is put into production. And what's cool about this movie is it's super practical. 
There's, I mean, there's barely any CGI in this movie. They do so, the, the whole grounds of this movie is like, let's do it all for real. Let's put all of the actors through an insane flight school. Let's, like, teach them what being in a plane actually is and let's shoot it all with, like, cameras inside real planes doing all these crazy acrobatic things. Like When they're reading their lines under, like, the pressures of G-Force, they're yes, actually they're under actually those under the pressures of g which is, like, crazy mm-hmm. and really is, like, so cool for an action movie to have the balls and, like, you know... That are willing to invest the money to do that, you know? Yeah. Because it's, it's insane, just like it, from the insurance angle alone, like, so many things could go wrong. Right. And the, like, and isn't it they have the, it's a two seater jet, and they would right. let the pilot go in the front, and the camera would be in the back with the right. actor. Right. With the actor. Yes. Right. And, and, and they, like, looked, they were like, had their production team like ask the pilots like so is this very important can we take this out of the plane can we take this out of the plane and they just kept removing things that weren't really that important in the plane so they could fit in all of these cameras and they had put the actor in the actor had to be the one to push record and record all of the cameras they go up nobody knows what they're filming yeah until they land and everyone crowds around and watches the playback together right and they have i heard they would tape all of their lines like on the seat in front of them so when they're hitting those g's because they were like we have no really they yeah, were they just, just couldn't remember them off their I, I i heard a thing that like uh, tom cruise said in the original top gun if you ever forgot your line you just count to 10 because all of the all of the pilots have those masks on oh, so you right. can you can dub over stuff pretty easy yeah so but you need to have like you need to know that they're saying something. So if they would ever forget their line, they would just start screaming, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. That's awesome. (laughs) So, yeah. Uh, I guess, yeah, they were also talking about the fact that if you were, like, getting sick up there, Mm -hmm. if you were, like, losing your head a little on it, um, the painful part would be landing and then having to watch. Because they'd send you up for, like, three hours. You'd be up doing your line reads. I heard an hour. An hour? An hour is the longest they could go. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I I thought that they were going longer, but I know that they would send you up for, yeah, however long, Uh and then it would just be like an hour of your dailies. Like you would- Right. Everyone has to watch it. Sitting there and watching your dailies, which (laughs) sounds awful. That does sound pretty bad. Um, But yeah, I also talked a lot about like getting the look of the original Top Gun and like filming all of literally like all of their exteriors are done during magic hour yeah which is uh, for those who don't know magic hour is like the time the sun sets that's known as like the best uh time to photograph yeah it's people yeah the the perfect light coming in yeah um all those orange hues you know and that's and they do that so successfully i mean this movie looks it's such an homage to like tony scott's vision on the first one which yeah i think like that's the big thing is like you just can't I think stylistically sometimes separate this movie from the original uh-huh. and how good Tony Scott is at capturing that. Right. But what I noticed with this one on the second watch when I watched it at home is like kind of the big problem that I see with a lot of blockbusters is you can go see it at a movie theater and it looks really good on yeah. a big screen. Right. And then you get home and it looks like it's on your PlayStation. Yeah. Right? Like yeah, it looks yeah, kind yeah. of like it loses any of the like tapicness yeah yeah like way that you can actually like feel and contextualize all of this stuff yeah whereas this movie you watch him and he does the uh like the little pit run by himself Uh when tom cruise is doing that and he's jerking the plane back and forth Uh and doing all the turns you still feel that at home like yeah and i think that has a lot to do with them like really doubling down committing to shooting it all practically and using real planes and stuff like the energy's there and the backgrounds and everything that like they're flying up against when they're in those little valleys you Mm -hmm. like it feet they're right next to the hills like right there is this idea of you know the space around you so well Cause it's all there. Mm-hmm. So like your actual like knowledge of the hazards these guys are facing in their environment. You kind of so feel that tangible. Yeah. 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 And that's so cool. I think that's awesome. Um, the speeds that they're going at are insane. Like they, they don't actively say they got the need, the need for speed, but they're going so fast. They're showing. Yeah. They're, they're showing. showing yeah. They the need for speed. He hits Mach 10.2. The opening of this movie, man, it's like so 
fucking cheesy. It's just like yeah. nothing has changed. Uh, Maverick lives in an air hangar, like, and he's the same dude. He's driving the same bike that he was in the original one, like. And that's also a bit of an issue. Is like. This movie wants you to go, it's the same Maverick. Maverick hasn't really moved anywhere uh, professionally. Yeah. Like, Which is kind of, for, I will say, uh, it's a little bit of an interesting take to go with the character, like, that he's kind of stuck in the past. I And I completely, I like that. Yeah. I think it is just so hard to do with Tom Cruise, who is like the king of Hollywood. Right. Where it's like, I just don't see There's him. nothing bad about it. There's nothing bad about him, and he's right. He's right at the end of the first one, after he's learned his lesson, and he has uh-huh. to work as a team. Right. But he was still always one of the best pilot. Like, there's this thing of like... The fact that the government is trying to stop Tom Cruise from just doing awesome shit all the time. Uh And in the first one, when Tom Cruise is like a new kid, you can kind of see him as like a scrappy young guy. Yeah. It's so hard to see Tom Cruise as like a guy who's been beaten down by the system. Yeah. Because the system has been so good to Tom Cruise. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's also just so funny, like, the way people talk in this movie. Like, everything is just dialed up to, like, 15. Like, yeah, I was just about to ground your ass permanently. Yes. But then I got this message two seconds before you sat down. What's the thing that he said? He's, he's like, and you don't have the decency to die. <laughs> Wait, when is that? I don't like, remember that. Like, really early on, it was, it's not John Hamm. It's the older guy who's Ed talking Harris. to him. Ed Harris is yeah. talking to him. And he's like, you haven't, you haven't gotten yourself killed yet. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's just like so freaking cheeseball. I was telling Bobby, like, it's funny. This movie is set in modern times, but like, it's so not. Like, it's so just set in the eighties still. Like every twenty nine like, year old knows every word to Great Balls of Fire. Yeah, exactly. It's like no one remembers that. <laughs> I, I, can, I can give you, goodness gracious, Great Balls of Fire, and then I'm yeah. tapped out of that yeah, song. Yeah, yeah. So true. So true. Um, yeah, this movie is just really, it makes me laugh and like, it doesn't feel intentional when it does, you know, you know, it feels like it's trying to be cool, but it's like, it's one step away from being like a funnier die parody of itself. But the thing, the like weird magic trick is like the cool stuff still kind of works. It's still cool. Yeah. yeah, It it really is just, I think it's just a frustrating movie for me because I don't understand like how it's doing what it's doing. Well, and that's the, it's, there's a frustration to me in the fact that I know what it's going to do. I know how the movie is going to go before it is like before the first act's over. Uh And, Yet it still is like kind of working its magic on me. Yeah. Which might make me even more mad that it's like right. I'm being manipulated and it's doing really good at manipulating yeah. me. And I also re- I remember being like the first time I saw it being just like very annoyed with like, wait, what is this mission? Like, what the hell are we even fucking doing? We're blowing up a thing just because that's what we got to do. It, like the, the name of the country is never disclosed. Yeah, like that kind of shit like really pissed me off. It's like we're, uh, we're finding the bad guys. Right. Like, And And it's like, these dudes don't have like a, like when you go into like army movies, there's this idea that these dudes are like, I'm here to protect and serve my country. These dudes philosophy is like everyone at this place's philosophy is I like to fly planes. Planes are cool. Planes are cool. And I would like to fly them. (laughs) And I'm good at flying. them. Yeah. It's like, is this like for honor or country? And they're like, it's for me flying my plane. It's because planes are cool. This is going to be a cool thing for the plane to do at the end of the movie. (laughs) I like to do barrel rolls. Yeah. 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 It has no interest in getting like political or like really questioning like what it means to blow up anything there's only the one political thing and we were talking about it was it's the idea that tom cruise doesn't like drone warfare because then men men won't be able to go do these jobs (laughs) yeah right because he's like men should die yeah we should should have guys on the ground wait you're killing robots that's the whole thing he's like where's the american pride in that (laughs) he's like he's like i don't know if you can he's like you can't replace men and then they show him this mission and he's like i don't even know if that's possible and they're like well, do you want to do it? And he's like, yeah. Yeah, I, want yeah, to I mean, we're going to do it. I don't even know if people won't die. And everyone's yeah. like, I think we could do this with drones and no one will die. Yeah, and he's, he's like, like I, people, no, damn it. People won't come back from this. He's <laughs> like, oh, should we do it with drones? No, what? No. Fuck no, you. No, we, we need people. We can't cancel all these <laughs> man programs. Um, 
yeah that that is kind of a funny thing um what what else about this movie what would your call sign be call sign well my name is gooth and people actually have been known to call me goose I have gotten that before, so I kind of feel like my call sign is. You're gonna take goose again? No, no, I can't do that. You and get I, there and be I, like, I know, no, no, Tyler, no, no, no. Call me <laughs> no, I know that it shouldn't be. Uh, I don't know. Maybe like, I don't really have a good answer to that question, Bobby. Do you have a good one? I think I'm gonna go by Bitcoin. Bitcoin? Yeah. <laughs> Flying through the air. Come yeah. in, Bitcoin. Stay with me, Bitcoin. Yeah. Yeah. I like the Wiz. The Wizard. The Wiz. Wizard's cool. Yeah. yeah. Wizard's awesome. Yeah, that's a sick one. Yeah. Um, oh, another thing with this movie, Val Kilmer. Okay, Val Kilmer, yeah. they bring Val Kilmer back, He, which is awesome. For those that don't know, Val Kilmer like got throat cancer. I mean, you have to know because it's like written into the movie, but like the actual actor, Val Kilmer, got throat cancer and now uh, speaks through like a, one of those devices and has kind of like a robotic voice. And they put him in this movie which is cool that despite his you know um yeah what do, condition uh, condition he can he's still in the movie um but the thing that annoys me is that they don't really have him talk they don't really have him like say that many lines and like he can still talk he just has like kind of a messed up voice yeah and like i feel like if you're gonna write it into the script that he has throat cancer like at least like let Val Kilmer say things and like you have the explanation. Why do you have to have him like type out things and like, right. Why has he gone complete? Like, is it just to show that he's going to die soon? Yeah. And I really feel like it's just because they felt uncomfortable with the fact that Val Kilmer has like a weird voice. And that's, I think in poor taste in my opinion. I, yeah, I also, I didn't like that cause you, you see him and I don't know. He looks fine. You're, I mean, and you you were the one who was saying like, let the dude act. Yeah, let the man act. And he's been saying that. Like, I've seen interviews with him where he's like, I can still act. Like, I'm trying to still do this, but like, it's just hard to get roles. Yeah, nobody wants to give me roles, which is like, yeah, I I, get that. I, I understand. But like now they've literally written into the script to explain, and they know that like Val Kilmer was a huge part of the original Top Gun. We can't like cut him out. Yeah, and yet, and I think that they also. They uh, they play up that relationship so much that he's always there to save him, and then once he dies, he's not there. But yeah, yeah, I, I think that if you just saw the two talk together, mm-hmm. rather than kind of a more like sterile, like cut to his computer where he's typing dialogue, it would be way more powerful. Yeah, I think it could have really been impactful. Maybe they tried that. Maybe people couldn't understand what Val was saying, and they didn't want to put subtitles. But like, right. They could have. They, they totally, could. they easily could have. And that kind of annoyed me. Yeah. But I think that what Tom Cruise does well here, and the where the movie is different is Tom Cruise has to train these people right. instead of he's doing the mission. Right. And that is also, like, that. there's really just some stuff in the first act that's kind of housekeeping shit that bothers me. Okay. And one of them is that, first thing he does in this movie to like hook you hook an audience in and get some plane action is become the fastest guy to fly a plane ever uh-huh. and then the mission comes and they go we're gonna have you train it and it's like fucking why <laughs> yeah why don't you just have and then he goes and he's like i can do the mission and well, then they're like no we'll have you train people and then midway through the movie he does the mission and they're like oh he should do the mission yeah and it's like no kidding <laughs> yeah that that is kind of a weird reversal i think to i guess to defend it's kind of like this dude can't follow orders so he should be the one giving them I over guess. the dude like receiving them yeah but you are right. They do just know, kind just, of flip, and they're like, oh, "Okay, actually, you can go." You're gonna on be the Iceman wants you to teach the kids, and it's like Iceman should just tell him to go do it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but a movie has to happen. A movie has to happen. And then once you do get Tom Cruise in the teacher role, and you get Miles Teller pulling up, and you get—is it Glenn Powell? The, hang, the Hangman. Yeah, Hangman, Glenn Powell. Um, once you get them all in there. The movie is a lot of fun. With it's those pretty people. fun. It's pretty fun. H- Hangman is just Iceman. I'm I'm like actually almost disappointed that they didn't just double down on that and be like, I'm Iceman's cousin. <laughs> like, I'm his nephew. Like I, I wish they would have because it's like 
Fireboy. Oh, his name's Hangman, and he's basically the Iceman part. Because like, he leaves people out to hang. He, hang dry, he, leaves, yeah, he hangs people, people out to dry. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, but is that like... Oh, yeah, that is supposed to be... Is that supposed to be Tom Cruise, though, too? Huh. Because he leaves his wingman. Is that what Tom Cruise does? Oh. The first round, too? I think it's like a mix between like uh, both okay, of them Okay, maybe. Maybe. But I think in this movie, especially, Miles Teller is kind of proven that he's got the riz. <laughs> because it's a Dude, screen- he's got a lot of charismatic like shit in this movie. Yeah, and it's a screenplay that, like, I don't know, you don't have a lot of room to go and, like, stretch yourself and, like, really kind uh-huh. of do a lot of lines outside of Tom Cruise. Right. And a lot of his lines are, like, feeling sorry for himself. But right, anytime right. they kind of get him to escape that, uh-huh. he's so fun to watch. Yeah. No, he's super fun in this movie. Um, Tell you who I could do without and who needs a, really an entire rewrite is the Jennifer Conley romantic thing in this movie is like the most just like all right well we got to put this in the movie like it it's it just makes no fucking sense at all and i really think they play it they really play it like remember me from the first one and the truth is no because you weren't in the first (laughs) one but like they do all this stuff like I uh, remember when we were a thing. And, and it's like, uh, I don't. And I'm not going to pretend like I do. <laughs> yeah. And I also, there's this thing that she does at her bar, which is if you put your phone on if it. If you put the phone on the t- If you disrespect the Navy. Or ladies. Or ladies. <laughs> or you put your phone on my goddamn bar. You got to pay it for everybody <laughs> What the fuck? And then he gives her the card and she goes, the card got declined. Oh, yeah, if I gave you my card, there's no fucking way that payment's going through. Well, also, they do do a thing, like, where they show Hangman getting, like, two drinks, and he's like, thanks for the beers, Pop. And then, like, immediately after, so this is the first person we've seen come up to the bar to buy, and he's like, you might cash me out before I'm bankrupt. It's like, wait a second. I thought you got these drinks for free. Yeah, I thought everyone was, like, super hyped about all the free drinks you're going to get, and he literally paid for two drinks. Yeah, and then he's like, I'll get you back in cash. If I found out about that rule, I'd be like, I'm never fucking coming yeah, here I'm not ever pay- again. I'm not doing that. Do people do this? <laughs> Did people actually pay for this? That's insane. Yeah, yeah it's insane. Yeah, and no. Yeah, the... Especially because it's like... But believability is just thrown out the window. Like, no, they don't care about this movie being believable. Right. Which is, like, why it's so fun. Like, I get it. Like... Yeah, it's just also, like, I don't know. Give me something. Also, I'll be the one to say it. They should have put a gay subplot in this. They should have made somebody gay because that's been the thing with Top Gun. Everyone says it's, like, the most homoerotic movie. And you could, like, look at it as a romantic thing between Iceman and Mav like yeah and the beach volleyball and scene Iceman and Goose like or why not play that up for comedy like yeah like uh, I know I know I know why they didn't do it because of course this sounds like a suicide thing and they're also like this is a very patriotic movie and patriotic movie and it has to appeal to like 45 right 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 and the, and the world as to there's no freaking um bad guy they don't name the country in this right so right. putting gay people in it probably is not gonna make it um super appealing but yeah. i don't know a super unfair nitpick but like Someone it would have been, been kind of sweet movie. if miles Teller was gay in this yeah <laughs> uh which by the way their their football scene is just does not hold a freaking candle it doesn't and it's not sexy enough it's not horny enough and they're also playing like a weird version of football yeah, that that was yeah. Where there are they two put balls, two it's like two offenses and two D. Everyone's playing. All yeah, this. okay, that was kind of cool, but it was also like, could just give me more scenes of people being oiled up, right? Sexy. And then like, it's also clear like the game like breaks apart. Like they just start <laughs> playing regular football. They like introduce this thing, and it's like, oh, that's wait, how does this work? And they're like, man, forget about it. <laughs> and I would also have liked to see if you're gonna do a football scene for like the big like homage to tony scott doing his homoerotic volleyball scene make it like tackle football like those yeah. dudes aren't like grabbing each other right, 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 right. like at least give me that where yeah, like miles true. teller picks up hangman and throws him <laughs> something man yeah but uh, yeah also everyone in that is so fucking cut 
So cut. Like, they are ripped. They're so ripped. I mean, everyone in this movie is pretty jacked, too, but... Yeah. I don't know. When you were watching that scene, though, they're oiled up and glistening. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, the final fight, all of that shit's cool. When pretty great. Miles Tyler Snowy. Get- okay, I heard a freaking interview with the director. Um, it was like Jason Reitman interviewing the guy who directed this. And Jason Reitman's like, so I'm assuming in, in that sequence we're um, in Canada, right? And he's like, oh, yeah, we're in Canada. <laughs> it's like what we were invading canada that's the place i thought it was iran <laughs> dude how is that fucking canada yeah i i was like me and my sister we were talking we were like it's like the mountain regions of asia somewhere like yeah no i thought they were totally alluding to like china because that makes so much more sense i was thinking yeah like china russia or like like the mountains in the middle east right like and those. they just have like a jet black everything's blacked out like that's canada they let and like when tom cruise crash lands in canada why is there a chopper there that's gonna shoot him yeah I, uh, <laughs> why is why is canada making a nuclear power plant that we're not cool with yeah we're all upset at them for that yeah that, uh, it just doesn't really make any sense but i have a lot of fun with the whole stuff where his plane goes down and then because and Goose they goes get to the old him. plane and then it's all like top gun old harkening yeah. back to the nostalgia they fly the old plane it's not the plane it's the pilot right it's not about the drones it's not about the drones it's about the guy (laughs) dying behind the wheel i just love the last scene of this movie like right before they high five and he's just like it's not about the drones and and then the movie ends yeah no that doesn't happen but it really might as well have happened so it's also just crazy that this movie has catapulted itself into the like pretentious prestige picture cat like i don't know. understand how this movie is nominated for best picture. you know why it is it's because of COVID. yeah it's because this movie got people to to its credit really to its credit this movie got people to go out to theaters and go see a movie yeah where, where does this sit now on um 1.4 billion is this like uh how, how as far as movie highest gross of all time it's like it's it's in the top five right isn't Let it Let me find out I, I thought it was i know i think it beat like avengers endgame we have is got, that not true it is at no it's at 12 right now oh, okay at 1.488 billion Okay. Fast Seven and After Frozen Two. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, still, I mean, for all the course of human history to be number twelve, that's pretty impressive. Um, and to be released during a time when everyone was putting their movies like on HBO and right, right, right to all that, they're like, no, we're this movie is meant for theaters. We're gonna keep it in theaters, and you know that I think that's what people really respect about it, and that it does so much practical things kind of harkening back to the way movies used to be made and there is just like something about something so cinematic about being put in a plane totally that like you just can't get anywhere outside of the movies that right. I think that this really hits yeah 100 percent. and yeah i mean i don't want to say i think that i would like this movie i wouldn't want to talk about this movie in this context if it wasn't up for best picture right because yes. it has now it has to be like it has to compete on like a substantive level right with every movie it's up against totally that is an annoying thing about it it's like can't we just let it be an awesome fun blockbuster and not make it doesn't it have like, to be the best movie of the yeah, year yeah i don't know and i'm sure there's a hundred people yelling at their phones like why can't blockbusters be the ones that win the academy awards but like I don't know, man. Like I wouldn't, and also like I wouldn't have a problem with a blockbuster being at the top of the awards if like it offered, if it gave if it something said something, new, yeah, like, did something that I think like no, that's really what's important. It's like what is what is year. this communicating other than Top Gun was a pretty good movie, right? Right, and like you guys like Top Gun, so you'll like it again. Yeah, like that is all this movie is about. What else is this about? I I really couldn't tell you. Right. And it's about nostalgia. It's just about being nostalgic. Yeah. And like, exactly. And wanting like there, cause there's also, you can't like not look at Tom Cruise looking at this as one last ride, like a young guy too. Uh huh. Like this is his big thing to like go back and like his, 
his hair is so dyed deep black for this one. <laughs> and he's just like, I don't know. He's I mean, he's still fucking, looking jacked in his tight. He looks good. I'm not five. saying I'm not throwing hate onto Tom Cruise and how he looks, but he's riding the old eighties Kawasaki motorcycle. Uh-huh. He's like, it's just him playing the hits of like, remember yeah, when I, I was like I hot and young and fresh on the scene. But the, the thing that's funny is that what this movie doesn't do is, oh, that's what you think, Tom. But actually, you're so out of touch. It's like no, no, he's, he's uh, hasn't lost a beat, and actually, he's still <laughs> the best pilot. Yeah, <laughs> you know? like it's just kind of funny that it doesn't really deal with like any of the more challenging aspects of being so wrapped up in nostalgia, it kind of just is like, no, good. yeah, this was the best time. Yeah. We've, we've really it, digressed. Run it back. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, we, we can, we can move We can on. leave it at that. Cause you know, the thing we want to talk about this episode is really what are the best movies of 2022? And like, what do we think are the best? This guy happened to think it was Top Gun. I happen to think he's wrong. And he said, I guess. So, like, he, he wasn't even confident in his answers. So. Yeah, his answer. I think he was change. really just afraid that I was asking him a question at all. Yeah. I, and maybe he uh, changed his answer after he saw your favorite movie of the year. And which is The Banshees of Inishirin. Uh Yeah, this movie is freaking awesome. Uh, if you haven't seen it, you don't know what it's about. Uh, it takes place in Ireland on a small island during um, the Civil War that was happening at the time. And uh, basically, uh, these two guys have been best friends uh, since they met each other. And one of them comes up to the other one day and says, I don't want to be your friend anymore with really no explanation. And uh, it's kind of about how their relationship falls apart and just losing a friend and deciding that someone's holding you back. And uh, it's just awesome and funny and really set has so much to say about friendships and growing older and how we change and, and just has that dark humor um that this guy does so well yeah it's got uh, the score really good uh carter burwell um did it he does a lot of the coen brothers movies i think that that's also one of the things i loved about it is like that in bruges and even three billboards to an extent uh-huh. i think he I think clearly likes both the Cohen's visual and like rhythmic dialogue style. Uh, like when I'm watching these, I feel like kind of the, the rhythms of how people talk to each other. Oh, you're saying the director? Yeah. Uh, oh. Francis Ma- or, um, what Martin is McDonough. Mar- Martin McDonough. Yeah. yeah. I think he, he did in Bruges um, recently, uh, three billboards outside Ebening, Missouri and seven psychopaths. Yeah. And this movie. And I think that, yeah, I think this, this movie would have been, number two on my list if you didn't put it on your list Uh i mean i think the performances are like truly incredible i think it's kind of unfortunate that um oh my god i'm like really bad with names today but not colin farrell but the other guy uh Uh, gleason yeah uh michael gleason dumb no yeah uh something gleason the other guy the blonde guy um he is nominated with brandon uh who's the younger dude Barry Coogan, Billy Coogan, Barry Coogan. It's Barry Coogan. Yeah, they're yeah. both nominated for supporting, and I feel like they're canceling each other out. Yes, they are. You know, I think. like uh, I would have, I would have done uh, McDonough. Is that his name? No, no, sorry, uh, the, Brendan Gleeson. Brendan Gleeson. I would have gone with Brendan Gleeson easily for best supporting, and I just feel like he's he's not gonna get it. Yeah, and I mean it's tough because. I love Barry Coogan in this too. Yeah, he's Him so and good. Farrell fucking bounce off each other in such a heartbreaking way. Yeah, it's really true. Where I think, yeah, this it is this like defeatist, almost like inherently kind of Irish attitude that these guys carry with them on this island. Yeah, and like also this idea that they live there and they can bury their head in the sand to these issues of like the troubles that are going on right. with Britain and all of that. Yes, and it like speaks to the civil war that's going on and this country fighting with itself. Yeah, you know, through the relationship of two kind of like best friends falling out of friendship with one another. Yeah. You know? And um, yeah, I think that I think Colin Farrell's walking away with best actor. Really, I think so. Who do you think's gonna would beat him? Who Who else is nominated for best actor right now? Um, I don't really th- remember thinking that he was gonna win. 
Best actor yeah. nomination. Elvis. Ben oh no, Frazier. no, no! I want Frazier, dude. Frazier has to win for the whale. Yeah, you think? I really believe. I mean, we'll get into the whale a little bit, but um, yeah. Personally, I think Brendan's got all of the heat behind him. People love his story of like coming up, and that's true. I it think these performances do are like pretty even, in my opinion, but um. I'm really hoping Frazier's that Brendan Fraser. It's Brendan Fraser's movie, whereas this seems like a little bit more of an He's ensemble piece, little, yeah. you know. And uh, I think really the thing with these awards, the things that's most bullshit about them, is that at the end of the day, it's not just about the movie; it's about the, the stories, story yeah. and about like who deserves it because of X, Y, and Z with their career. Mm-hmm. There's so many career Oscars that happen, and I, I just feel like. I would more lean towards Ben and Frazier, but let's not, I mean, Banshees of Indusherian. Uh, yeah, it's just so heartbreaking and hilarious too. It's really it, like funny. its tone that it rides is so hard to do and it does it so like perfectly. My favorite scene in it is the scene where he talks to Brendan Gleeson and Brendan Gleeson says, nobody remembers nice people and he goes into how his mom and dad were nice and he remembers them and his sister's nice. Yeah. He's like, and I'm nice. Yeah. And I will remember nice people. Like that right. was the, I was crying in the movie theater. Like it's Dude. so hard to be, do like, I think a mi- like a scene in the middle of a movie mm-hmm. that'll get me to like choke up. Right, right. And that one like ripped me to shreds. Dude, I really think that, you know, maybe Colin Farrell doesn't win Best Actor. What this movie will for sure, hands down, no questions asked, take is best original screenplay. Like mm-hmm. it, it, it. There's no question. There's. There, I think this is really the best writing that we've seen of 2022. Is in this movie. Yeah, yeah. It's relatable. I feel like everyone kind of knows the feeling of like losing a friend because it's such a you just change. And I think it's such a like real fear that a lot of people might have, kind of in like this inner, like the with the internet. Huh. That the idea, the idea that like just things can come up and you turn on your friends so fast, like yeah. you don't know what'll happen or what you've said or done because you didn't do it to them. Right. But the idea that a person will just stop liking you. Yeah, that is definitely super relatable to our times right now. Yeah, and it's it is like I think there's such like kind of an like an anxiety around so many of these issues coming out of a pandemic and stuff like that of like yeah. where do I stand with people? How do I interact with them again? Totally. <clears throat> I just I mean, found a lot of these fears being played off uh where it's like there were people after the pandemic that I hadn't seen in two years. Uh-huh. And it's like picking it back up and being like, are we still friends? Like, are we still on the yeah, same page? There yeah. was like a lot of that where I was like, oh, I hope I can still interact with this person the way I did before. And then I think going into that and talking as we're just kind of, you know, briefly talking about these films, um, talking, you're alluding to cancel culture. Yes. Let's get into your favorite movie. My number one movie of the year is Todd Fields and Kate Blanchett starring in Tar. Tar. I just watched this very recently and holy shit, man. Like this movie is really incredible. It's a really crazy one. It is maybe not as an enjoyable, as much of an enjoyable watch as Banshees of Insurance. It's a little bit more of a thinker. It's a little yeah. bit more of a tough sit. I think if you go and you watch it once... Yeah. Let it sink in. The thing that I've found is every time I watch it, I like it more. And uh-huh. like, there are, it has a wit to it. It has these scenes where it's like you do find, I think, once you've kind of understood the character, uh-huh. you can peel it back and go, no, that is funny knowing this character. And after you've like really figured it all out, yeah, it like it really works on a rewatch. I, I think I, the thing that's so powerful about this movie is that like right now. Specifically right now, there are so many movies that are trying to talk about what the Me Too movement is and like speak to this very unique cultural thing that is happening right now of people abusing power and finally, you know, these people speaking up about it. Yeah. And there's a lot of movies doing it right now and all of them feel so... Contrived, yeah. It feels so like they're not really talking to the minutia of the situations. They're oversimplifying it. It's like cheers to all these people. It can't get away from this idea that in the end, artists are good people. 
Mm. Like, I feel like I've watched a lot of these movies where it's like, yeah, sure, a producer or someone like that yeah. will abuse their power. But in the end, the artists are the people who will triumph. And I huh. think that this movie takes a stance that it's like, no, the artists are also such a huge part of this problem. Mm. Like, I think that you're looking at it with, like, uh, She Said. A, yeah. a Hollywood movie that is about the journalists who uncovered the Harvey Weinstein yeah. stuff, but it doesn't go into the journalists who covered it up and the fact that how the industry yeah no of I think I, more so than like getting into the artists, I just feel like what this movie does so successfully is like how does this kind of stuff actually happen and how nuanced and um, under the rug all of this stuff is, you know? Yeah, how it isn't like a big like coming out like thing to be celebrated like yes they're finally speaking up and they had a voice it's more like what's really important and what we should really talk about is like when it was under the rug right like you know the stuff you don't see and the things that people gloss over when power is abused you know yeah and like this does a really good job of like the intricacy of like showing that people do see this abuse of power but they don't see it entirely so they don't say anything right like there's no scene in this where like tar like puts someone in a really uncomfortable situation and you like see like the whole thing play out and you see that girl like be like no i won't stand for this abuse or something like that yes no it's in fact just alluded to just like hinted at that something is going on and that's what the supporting role of uh what's her name um the girl from lady on fire no the uh her the russian her wife oh yeah 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 who yeah what is the name of that girl she's really great uh she plays what is her name in tar um what's the actress's name actress's name is nina haas she plays sharon yeah the scene where um, Tar gives the pe- the cello solo yes. to the new girl, and you're just watching her, her watch Tar do it. Yeah, and yep. it's like, oh, she's picking up on it, uh-huh. and like you are watching her almost Tar almost embarrass her wife. Yeah, by just showing her do it again, and she's like. Oh, we're back in this, right? Like, it, and the fact that it's just so constant. Yeah, there's nothing like. For a movie that's really speaking to the Me Too movement, like there's nothing cringy about this movie. No, it feels there's really no, the moment where I'm like eye roll, like f- come on, like stop making this point that is so like contrived. Like it feels right. super grounded, realistic. Like wow, this yeah, this is kind of how this stuff happens. And then there are parts that feel like with the realism kind of bend it to this like surreal like yes the the way that he mixes in dreams and like Uh, the ideas of separating reality yeah all of that stuff is done in a very artistic way like utilizing filmmaking and like making it this kind of like big grand epic yeah and he's playing with every sense from the dreams where it's playing with sight to playing with sound yeah really cool stuff with sound in this movie the ideas of orchestra like he takes full advantage of that. Yeah. yeah, and just like the manipulation of memory with that stuff and the girl who is the victim here. Mm-hmm. All yeah. of that stuff is so good. And I think Kate Blanchett, she went for best actress. I hope so. I really hope so. I was upset that uh, the girl from Everything, Everywhere, Michelle, uh, no, Michelle Yeoh. Yeah, Michelle Yeoh, that she won at the Globes. I, I don't think, I mean, not to shit on everything everyone all wants. There's a lot of things I love that that movie did for the industry. Like, yes. Like, basically, I think... Everything we're talking about Top Gun Maverick, I really believe that the antithesis of the problems and annoyance of with nostalgia and like just not saying anything and just talking about how the 80s were so great, like everything all everywhere all at once, I feel like is the the other side of that coin of like doing it actually really successfully and making an action picture, big blockbuster that actually has a lot of deep and meaningful things to say and even still referencing and paying homage to those 80s action yeah 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 you know it's it's paying homage to kung fu and and all all those sort of things but but it is it's it's doing it in a super modern cool new way yeah and still utilizing like a really cool mix of digital and practical yeah super some of the effects in that movie are just so cool yeah and when you hear about how they really didn't have that much money like 
Yeah, it's pretty awesome. The da- like the whole Daniels story, like from what it sounds like, how they go from like script to screen, just in general, is a pretty inspiring thing. Yeah, I would like agree. Those would dudes agree. sound like they really work hard on yeah. their shit. Yeah, uh, and I do think though there is something about Tar though that I think when I'm thinking of like best picture of the year, it feels like this is a movie for 2022. I I think that's, there's a great argument to be made about that. If you're talking about a movie that really speaks to our time of the films nominated. Yeah. I would say that tar is up there with the ones that do. Yeah. I think tar couldn't come out. Couldn't like clearly couldn't have come out, but like too far, too much before this. Uh And it might miss its window if it comes out afterwards. Right. But I think this is like the perfect time for this movie. Yeah. Uh, do you want to go to number two? Uh, yeah, let's speak to number two. I feel like we probably don't have time to do three. Maybe we should just do two each. Just do the top two? Okay. Um, but my number two, uh, it's a toss-up. Now I kind of want to say... No, I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll stick with my original gut, and that is Triangle of Sadness. Okay. I really, really... I think... I have not laughed harder in the theater this year than Triangle of Sadness. Triangle of Sadness. And I do, I've heard a lot of the criticisms for it. I'll get into that later. Yeah, but I have too, and I understand. That movie killed me in a theater. Dude, I was dying, dying with all the vomit humor and like, I don't know. I think just from the opening, it, it really constructed itself in such a really cool original way of having these like three segments that did build on each other and, you know, weren't, were connected, but like also did their own unique thing with each segment. And I really feel like each segment stood on its own and like was just so creative and fresh. Yeah. And like, I, I wouldn't, I don't I think people are having a problem with this idea that we're having a lot of these like quote quote unquote eat the rich movies. Yeah, we totally are. You know, and, and in that way it's maybe not that original. Yeah, and it kind of it does fall into like that the dude It's not a nuanced take on that. It's kind of just like rich people suck. Yeah, <laughs> it's like in the sense of like the roller coaster of like a blockbuster almost that it's yeah. like I know what I want to see. I want to see these rich people get taken down a peg. Yeah. And then I just think that there is there is a creativity in the way he does it and shoots it. And yeah, and there's also like a real uh, when we're talking about movies that speak to our modern times, like it's commenting on that in like a very modern way with how it deals with like social media and these models that have like yes. are rich because they just take pictures of themselves, like, and it just doubles down on the ways like the ridiculous of that and the humor in that and. I, I haven't seen a movie like speak to like how self-obsessed and like just so it felt so modern and, in and that how way, perpetuating you know? the culture dies. Yes. It's like you are valued by being self-obsessed and uh, then it's like, how do you break out of that? Yeah, yeah. And like, how do you acclimate yourself to a different yeah. power dynamic where mm-hmm. it's like, that doesn't matter and yeah. it's so hard. But, uh, also, uh, Big uh, shout out to uh, Char- Charles B. Dean Creek. She was Yaya in the movie. Yes. And she passed away just like a couple months couple after it months came out. after the release. And she's so good in it. Um, she's drop dead gorgeous, but like yeah. really can act and proves that she can act in this movie. Like, yeah. And so it's sad. a fun character. Like I, I do like, like everything that's going on with the character dynamics, especially on the Island. I think are great. Uh, Dolly De Leon. Okay, Dolly De Leon. Insane. Insane performance. I really think that she, the fact that she's not nominated for Best Supporting Actress, I think is really criminal, and I would I would have given it to her. Yeah. I would have given it to her this year, and it sucks that she's not even nominated. I think that was the biggest snub of this year. I think the pro- I think that my problem is that, uh, what's her name? Is it, it's not Allison Williams, it's Michelle Williams. From Fablemans. Oh, yeah. I think that the fact that she's in lead actress is going to mess her. I think she could have won Best Support. Oh. Uh, yeah, I, I guess it's kind of it's kind of a lead role, though. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, people it have is. been... It you is think a lead that's role, a lead I role? I think it is, yeah. See, I don't know if I consider it he... It, like, the, uh, the Sam kid. is the lead. Yeah. And then Dano and her are splitting right. supporting. Okay. Or if it's her, her as lead actress and Dano supporting. I would see more. I would more you would, go with that. You'd side that? Okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm cool with that. I think that she would sweep it if it was uh, 
just her as yeah. supporting. I hope Ke- yeah. Kelly uh, Condon wins. Kelly Condon was in what? Banshees. Uh, she plays. Oh yes, I really hope she was super great in it too. The thing that sucks is that apparently the favorite to win is uh, the girl from Wakanda Forever. Oh, oh, Carrie Condon. Sorry. Wait, who's the? Yeah. Oh, uh, Lupita. No, no, no. no. Uh, Best Supporting Actress nominee, Angela Bassett. Oh, right. People think that Angela Bassett should win because nobody's won from a Marvel movie, which is, again, when we were talking about, like, why these award shows are so dumb, because at the end of the day, it's not really about the movie or the performance, it's about the story, and people are siding with her... Well, there's also story of being. I just hope that she doesn't win because I just don't agree with that. Angela, I actually okay of this list. Now that I'm looking at it, the person I believe gave the best performance here, Hong uh, Chu, for the whale. All right, I gotta see the whale. She is so good in the whale, which is my number three of the year. Like she is just rip your fucking heart out. She is so amazing in that movie. I've had a like the wrestler. Some of the Aronofsky stuff. I've had a hard time sinking my teeth into the wrestler. You don't like? No, I like the wrestler now. It when I first saw it, I had a hard time sinking okay. my teeth into it. Uh, His movies are super divisive and, yeah. and tough, but I, it, this is one of the saddest movies I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. But it also like does the sad thing in such like beautiful, hopeful kind of way. Yeah, no, I'm interested and I want to see. Everyone says Frazier's performance is so good. Uh, and I'll give. Did I give my second? No. What is your number two? Uh, what was it? Gonna, I think I was saying that I was going to make it. Uh, I think, yeah, I, well, my second favorite is Banshees, but since you called that one, I'll say Crimes of the Future. Crimes of the Future. This is a movie that... Cronenberg. I think... Cronenberg it, making a movie for the first time in a minute. In a long time, yeah. And his son has a movie now. I know. Infinity uh, Pool. Infinity Pool, which I want to see. I yeah. saw some dude yelling about how, uh, he's, how Brandon has gone on a better three film run than his dad ever had and... <laughs> I don't Wait, what else? What else did his son do? He's done. Uh, oh, what was the other one? The one with the weird eye guy. Uh, the weird eye guy. Let me look it up. The weird eye guy. I the thing that I, pisses me off about his son is that he is possessor. I uh, never even heard of it. Uh, the thing that pisses me off about David Cronenberg's son is that he has the same aesthetic as his dad, and that just seems like you're not allowed to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've also thought about. It's that. it's like it's like John Lennon's sons. It's like your music is just your dance. You music, sound a lot like John, which Lennon. is like <laughs> not as impressive as having your own style and own sound, right? You know, but he does it well. I I don't think I've seen any of his movies, so I can't really get um, behind you on that. Yeah, we. I got. I saw. Uh, what was the one? Um, I saw Antiviral. I think, which was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but Crimes of the Future. Uh, it's a really cool like i don't even know what would you call it like an erotic thriller yeah it's like an erotic mystery erotic erotic sci-fi yeah dystopian noir noir like really it's and it deals it's such like hard weird sci-fi that talking about environmentalism and like environmentalism microplastics like evolution um just a lot of really cool ideas and shown in such a cool like uh practical like i love the way that every machine is so tangible in Uh the movie and it just feels like uh it it's cool to see cronenberg back in like his style and kind of his shit again i i definitely had a fun time with this movie there's things that piss me off about it though yeah i think there's things that are inherently like inaccessible and just seem like he doesn't really care about his audience Mm -hmm. like that fucking chair like what the hell the food machine like food machine i love (laughs) i just feel like what is even okay he has a food machine but like never really talks as to like what the the whole first half of this movie i hated this movie when i first saw it and i really (laughs) did like it the second time but like there's i think there there's no way that that isn't like a knock against it i i don't like when people are like you have to see it a second time because like you shouldn't have to but and if you watch this movie the first 30 minutes you're like what the fuck is anybody talking about in this fucking movie because it's so inside baseball and it just throws you into the world of like the crimes of the future like what is happening you're kind of just supposed to figure out for yourself and like 
you're like you just have to just accept oh i guess like people care about like body art now and like there's all of this like expositional dialogue that is just like blink and you'll miss it and that i think that might be what i like is like this idea that it is i think you do just kind of either buy into like the imaginative dystopian aspect Uh of it Uh and like kind of the body horror and like just when you see that the dude's on that bed and then he's on the chair, it's like, oh, this dude just has these moving things so because he hurts. Like, yeah. I think there is just something about, like, I just love the deep world building of yeah, it. Uh-huh. And the surgery shit is so cool. And, like, the way that he plays that up and, like, makes it sexy is so weird. Yeah, no, for sure. It's really hot and cool. Um, definitely watching it a second time. I, I think I really just love, like, what he's able to say about, like plastic and waste and how we are kind of like destroying our bodies and are like okay with it yeah Um, i think to put that in the context of like a horror noir thing is like pretty cool yeah and the the every performance art scene i love i love uh leah seydoux's performance in Uh, this i think she's great uh yeah that'd be my second and then should I just toss out the third real quick? Because I think, like you said, uh, the whale. I'll, I'll put yeah. out the Fablemans. The Fablemans is cool. Yeah, I, th- I really love that I, one. Okay, Bobby, what do you think is going to happen at the Oscars? Because I feel like before the Globes, everyone was kind of like, this is Stevie Spielberg's year. He made a movie that's really personal. And let's give him the Achievement Award for being Steven Spielberg and telling his story that nobody really knew about. Um, but then after the Globes, which you can't really give that much credit to the Globes because they're not the Oscars and they're t- nobody really gives a shit about the Globes. Yeah. But I feel like after that happened, every, now everything everywhere all at once, it's a ton of heat around it. And who do you think is going to win? It's tough. And I mean, you look at it and I do think, I don't think we should count Spielberg out because... Yeah. You just look at like the politics of the Oscar race, yeah, and you look at a guy who had like there's no one who has more political pull in Hollywood. True than facts. So I think that you can't count him out for that. Mm-hmm. I don't think Aronofsky's ever pulling it off. Oh no, no chance in hell, dude. Uh, He's I, not even nominated for uh, the whale. Didn't get a no- best picture nom. No, I got a best picture now, but I didn't get a directing nom. I don't think it really has that much heat behind it, other than Frasier. Yeah, in my opinion, like. That might be the one that it wins, and I think there's a chance it doesn't, but it seems like Brendan Fraser's winning most of the awards leading up to... How would you feel if Cameron walked off with it? I'd be kind of pissed off. Yeah. They didn't even give Avatar to him. Why would you no. give a far less superior movie? And it... I think that there is something to be said too if he had broken the record. Okay. If he had gone back to back <laughs> and done the two, yeah. like the three highest grossing films. Wait, we were just talking about that list. Where where is Avatar sitting now? And the movie's still making money, so it's like not even done. But it is sitting at four. Sitting at four. Wow. So he has three of the four. That's just so crazy. Avatar. That's and so Game, crazy. Titanic. They didn't even give him. Water. They didn't even give him a best director nom though, didn't they? Isn't that true? I, I think you're right, yeah. Uh, directing, they have Banshees, Martin McDonough, uh, The Daniels for Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, Fablemans, Todd Fields, and uh, Reuben Otland for Triangle So That's actually pretty sick that they not get nominated him despite not nominating him for anything else. Yeah, I think it's... They, but Triangle still has a uh, Best Picture nom, right? Yeah, it still has a Best Picture nom, and it has a, I think it has a Best Writing nom, too. Yeah, I mean, oof. I'm kind of leaning towards everything, everywhere. Yeah, I... I think I, Tar, honestly... I was about to say, I don't want to count out Tar as, like, clear, the, mo- the moon light of this yeah, year, kind the, of. the one that it's like this, is, like, if I'm looking at that, that's the prestige picture. I'm kind of in agreement with you. If you're going to go with the one that kind of, like, speaks the most to the time that we're in is kind of the art house pick it would be tar but this oscars also looks like they might be trying to get away from that idea i think you might be right about that bobby and that's why i think that everything everywhere all at once is probably the one and 
Yeah. And the Fablemans is kind of the middle of the road. If the Fablemans did better at the box office, I think that that yeah, it but it had, didn't it didn't really do it that didn't good do at really all, right? well at all. No. Yeah. Um, and so let's lock it in here. All right, lock it in. I'll say I'm gonna say everything, everything, and I would be happy if Tar won. I'm yeah, happy if Tar won, wins. I'm gonna say Fablemans. Fablemans takes it. Yeah, there's something about Stevie that I think. I think that it's been it's been since '93, right? This is the last time he won. '93 was when he won Schindler's. Yeah. So it, it, it's going on 30 year anniversary territory. Yeah, could be, could be. So I'll go Steven. All right, you're going for little Stevie Spielberg. I'll go little Stevie. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you for being a listener of this program. Yeah, appreciate it. Uh, thank you for listening to us talk about. Um, Top Gun Maverick and our favorites of the year. Uh, feel free to comment and let us know. Hit us up on social media and tell us what your favorite movie of the year is. Yeah, let Love us to know hear that we were dickheads about Top Gun. Yeah, tell us how we're fun. fucking wrong about Top Gun and how it's so great. And uh, you know what? You'd be right. Because yeah. what we didn't talk enough about this episode is how fucking awesome those flight it's sequences so are cool. and it they're doing so fucking fun. barrel rolls yeah. and like you're in the theater being like, I want to stand up and cheer right now. And when's the last time that you were in the theater and that happened? You know? Right. So, yeah. It's pretty cool. Whatever. Sorry we dogged Sorry it. Sorry <laughs> we dogged it so hard. Um, uh, but more importantly, thank you for listening. And join us on the next time, next episode, when we talk about who knows. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. One, two. It's all talk in the lobby, it's all talk.